Hey everybody, it is Tuesday, March 27th. Welcome back to the Weekly Impact Podcast. I'm your host, Brent Smith. Today around the table, I am joined by Jacob Kingsley and also Tiffany Wiss. Welcome back. Thank you. Both Thanks. Of you. Hey everyone. So um, anyway, today we are getting into Revelation, which we were in last week as well. Uh, today we are in chapter 8. Mm-hmm. And I will apologize up front, as you can probably already tell. Uh, we are in our room where we pre- record the podcast, and there's a lot of construction and work going on out in the sanctuary of the church because we have a lot of prep going on for new things for um, Easter coming up, mm-hmm. uh, trying to get things done before then. So if you hear saws like right now, we're safe. <laughs> but yeah, we are safe. <laughs> but uh, there's going to be work going on, so don't be distracted by that if mm-hmm. possible. Just wanted to let you know what that was. I'll try. Um, so as we get into Revelation 8, remember that we read from the ESV version of the Bible if you would like to follow along, and we will just go ahead and get into the scripture first. So let's start with Jacob. All right, Revelation 8, starting in verse 1. When the Lamb had opened the seventh seal, there was silence in heaven for about half an hour. Then I saw the seven angels who stand before God, and seven trumpets were given to them. And another angel came and stood at the altar with a golden censer, and he was given much incense to offer with the prayers of all the saints and the golden altar before the throne. And the smoke of the incense with the prayers of the saints rose before God from the hand of the angel. Then the angel took the censer and filled it with fire from the altar and threw it on the earth. And there were peals of thunder, rumblings, flashes of lightning, and an earthquake. Now the seven angels who had the seven trumpets prepared to blow them. The first angel blew his trumpet, and there followed hail and fire mixed with blood, and these were thrown upon the earth, and a third of the earth was burned up, and a third of the trees were burned up, and all the grass was burned up. The second angel blew his trumpet, And something like a great mountain burning with fire was thrown into the sea, and a third of the sea became blood. A third of the living creatures in the sea died, and a third of the ships were destroyed. The third angel blew his trumpet, and a great star fell from heaven, blazing like a torch, and it fell on a third of the rivers and on the springs of water. The name of the star is Wormwood. A third of the waters became wormwood, and many people died from the water because it had been made bitter. The fourth angel blew his trumpet, and a third of the sun was struck, and a third of the moon, and a third of the stars, so that a third of their light might be darkened, and a third of the day might be kept from shining, and likewise a third of the night. Then I looked, and I heard an eagle crying with a loud voice as it flew directly overhead. Woe! Woe! Woe to those who dwell on the earth at the blast of the other trumpets that the three angels are about to blow. Wow, it really leaves us on a cliffhanger there. (laughs) It does. I'm assuming that eagles crying is different than when doves cry. Probably. (laughs) But this also does deal with a prince. It's true. Wow. (laughs) All comes full circle, doesn't it? All right, so um, everything's pretty crystal crystal clear you just want to jump into application right no yeah totally clear yeah, I, I absolutely completely followed all of that so and there's no way but one to interpret everything in this book, oh 100 100 right? <laughs> crystal clear no problem about it um and so i don't know about you but as i was 
reading this and preparing for what I'm even reading right now, I almost have more questions about different things than observations. So with you, the listeners, permission, we'd like to, to just ask questions too um, during this time as hopefully you have questions for us as well. So what are observations, questions that you guys might have? Well, for me, I guess one of them is, you know, is it actually true of what it's saying or is it a symbol? Yeah, that's something I've always kind of wondered. You know, like, for example, the first trumpet followed with hail and fire and, you know, with blood and these things were thrown upon the earth. Is that like literally what is going to happen or is that just, you know, like poetry, like a symbol? meaning of something. I don't know. That's just right. a question that no, I've always that, kind of That's thought. a really good question. And that's pretty, pretty crucial to how we understand and read Revelation as a whole. Um, I think a lot of stuff in here is symbolism. And, and initially, some people might be hesitant to use symbolism because it makes it sound less truthful. Um, but that's not the case. Um, that John, at this time, the, the author, he's writing and he's trying to describe as best he could see it. So I'm not saying that anything in here is true, but let's see, or let's say that in one of the visions of end times, for some weird reason, he sees somebody on a smartphone, right? How is he going to describe that? He's going to use like um, symbolism. He would be like on a tablet made of light or something, right? Yeah. And so symbolism yeah. is able to transcend cultures um, that for all we know, the earth could still be here in 2000 years. And that culture and just how people communicate and the technology will look drastically different. And so if we try and use actual items and concrete terms to describe things, it might be lost for future generations. But symbolism transcends culture um, and is applicable to different languages as well. And so a lot of things in here are symbolism. But mm. like the example you used with hail and fire, it could easily be hail and fire. It could be other things that he only best knew how to describe as hail and fire. Yeah. Unfortunately, we don't get the exact answer. Yeah, if only That's we a good way of looking at it. Yeah. <laughs> I've never really thought about that mm -hmm. before. Yeah. It's very true. And I think that's that makes it harder for us to kind of focus on any specifics in this discussion of it as well because right. they're because it is symbolism and so many people have deciphered that in different ways. Mm -hmm. It's hard to really know what it is for sure and to focus on one specific thing when we're talking right. about it. I mean, well, I guess one thing we can get from this is it's not going to be good, right? I mean, these are not <laughs> In any way of like, oh, this is going to be like a happy time. Right. So, I mean, by hail and fire coming on the earth, he isn't saying that everybody gets three scoops of free ice cream, right? Like it, <laughs> right. Yeah. It, but it, at the end of the day, and we'll kind of get into this, it also depends on your perspective of it. Are you looking at it as somebody who has to fear from the coming events or is your hope secure in that you will be with Jesus? Because if you're victorious with yeah. Jesus, it shouldn't be scary to us what happens to the earth. Um, you know, if this earth passes away and it's destroyed, then, oh, well, I was never really attached to it too much. But if we do get attached and we love the world more than we love Jesus, then it, then it is super scary. Which is why Jesus, you know, we've been reading through the New Testament. He always told us not to focus on the things of this world. Absolutely. He always yeah. told us that this isn't our home, that, you know, we're not to dwell on the things of this earth. So... You know, mm -hmm. Jesus really, he laid that foundation for us early on. 
So that is very, that is a great way of looking at it. I think it's easy as Christians, and I know a lot of people I've talked to, it's easy to kind of dwell on all this and kind of, you know, be afraid of it because it's easy to be afraid of things that we don't 100% understand. Mm -hmm. So I guess that's just where, you know, our faith and Jesus lies. And we can't, even though we may not fully understand it and we can't take John literally word for word of what is going to happen, if we know that our faith lies in Jesus and what he did, then we don't need to be afraid of anything. Right. Yeah. And that, that's something that we touched on a little bit last episode where um, I had talked about the fact that this book has always kind of intrigued me and I've studied it a lot and, and I've really, um, you know, spent some time in it. And I know Daniel brought up the fact that a lot of people who do that, it puts them into a shell, like it makes them fearful right. and it makes them mm. kind of close themselves off from the world, yeah. which is the exact opposite of what we're supposed to do as believers in Christ. We're supposed to go spread the message and go out mm-hmm. into the world. Um, and, and so it's just something that fear shouldn't be what you gain or what you yeah. get right. from reading this and I'm trying to understand this book for sure. Well, and I think even towards the end, that, that eagle crying, I don't think it's crying tears, but like speaking loudly. Yeah. Um, if you weren't able to actually read with us, he wasn't very surprised saying W-O-W. Whoa, whoa, whoa. <laughs> it was W-O-E. Yeah. Um, he was saying, whoa, like bad. Um, and yeah. so I think he... It should be a challenge to like us. Beware, as, right? Right, beware. Yeah. Um, I was blanking on other synonyms. <laughs> I got into that. I was like, oh, no, where'd you go? <laughs> um, lost brain function. But it should be um, not a, a challenge, but it should be a reminder to us whose hope is secure in Jesus that we need to be proactive um, mm-hmm. for the people whose hope is not yet secure yes. in Jesus, whose salvation, because um, – how awful of a mindset is it to look at ourselves and say we're safe and then sit back and relax mm. and as opposed to throwing the the spiritual lifesaver to other people to helping people we mm. we can't let our own religion and our own relationship with Jesus make us selfish yeah um, and so I think that all of revelation while it reminds us of the hope we have of God coming to make all things right that it is also an imperative for us to take inventory of our life, of our communities, of this world, and that we need to be proactive. I think it's interesting that we're reading about this the week of Easter. Hmm. Yeah. You know what I mean? What a perfect time for all of us to get out and tell others about what Christ did for us. Absolutely. So. Yeah. It's funny how that's worked out. I think there's been multiple times, like in yeah. holidays and New mm-hmm. Year, Christmas, stuff like that, where we've been on a chapter the week before where it's specifically applied to something where it's like, this is the perfect time for us to be reading that kind of neat to see how that's worked out Mm -hmm. because that was not planned. Right. (laughs) (laughs) Um, so anyway, is there anything else we want to get into, um, observation wise? One thing that I'll throw out there that I was thinking about that if you've maybe skipped a little bit of this book and you're just joining us back into it, um, so John speaks very clearly. It's not really symbolic or symbolism when he's saying, he went into the spirit and was taken up. So like basically all of this stuff that he's seeing, whether it's, you know, symbolism, whatever he's seeing, his point of view is from heaven at the time that this is happening, right? That's not really to be deciphered in a different way. Some people say he was hallucinating on drugs and that's the critics and naysayers. But if, if we take, him at his word like that along with what we see in in the rest of scripture how god works and yeah he's seeing it from god's perspective from heaven yeah all right so is there anything else that we want to get into when it comes to observation or speaking about what we just read 
Um, yeah, I actually have two things. Um, the first is you may just be asking yourself the question, what is going on? Like what, cause it's very, um, maybe not chaotic, but it, it can be hard to track, especially first with the seven seals, um, not the <laughs> seals, but like letter seals. Um, and then the seven trumpets and first the number seven is the number of completion. That's why it's found so often, um, in this book. But when the seventh seal is open, the seventh seal the contents of it is actually the seven trumpets. And so it's following this pattern um, that would have made way more sense to the original readers than it does to us. So for us, we're kind of left out of the loop. We have to do the extra work to figure that out. Yeah, and can I say something yeah. to that real quick? So at the beginning of this chapter, um, we have the seventh the seal and the golden censer. Mm -hmm. So this chapter, that kind of overflows from the previous chapter into mm -hmm. this. If you want an actual cutoff and kind of description of segments of what's going on, right. the second part of this chapter, when it gets into the seven trumpets, that's kind of the beginning of a new section, if that right. makes sense. Yeah, eight was kind of not two different thoughts, but it, it was the bridge between the two kind of transitions. Yeah. And then the, the second thing is the whole symbolism of the trumpets, because in the Bible um, and even in ancient history, messengers would blow trumpets when somebody important was coming, mm. when there was something to be announced. And especially um, in the Bible, um, trumpets almost always symbolize the coming of the Lord, which is also known as the day of the Lord. Um and so we actually have a video that we're going to put the audio in. It's from the Bible Project, and it's titled The Day of the Lord, where they really give the context of Revelation in perspective of the rest of the Bible, the story of the Bible, and how it isn't this disjointed thing, but really it's the climax and, and the finale. Um, and so they do a great job, and so I hope you guys enjoy it. The Day of the Lord. It's a phrase in the Bible that religious people use, usually when talking about the end of the world. Yeah, things like Armageddon or the apocalypse. You might be familiar with this image of Jesus returning on a white horse. He's got a sword to bring final judgment. And everyone wants to know, how will it all go down? So a lot of these images come from the last book of the Bible, but to understand them, you have to go back to the first book. When the story begins, we watch God create an amazing world, and then he gives humans power to rule over it on his behalf. But the humans are tempted by this mysterious, unhuman character who offers them a promise. You could define good and evil on your own terms and put yourselves in God's place. Which is what they do. And the resulting stories are about the broken relationships and violence that results. Yeah, this promise creates huge problems. Now everyone has to protect themselves and fight for survival, and they're all using death as this weapon to gain power. It all leads to a story about the building of the city of Babylon. Or in Hebrew, Babel. Everyone comes together to elevate themselves to the place of God. And God knows how devastating this could be. A whole culture redefining good and evil as if they are God. So God confuses their language and scatters them. Now from here on, Babylon becomes like an icon in the biblical story. It's an image that represents humanity's corporate rebellion against God. And the next time we see it is in the story of ancient Egypt. Yeah, Pharaoh, the king of Egypt, he feels threatened by these immigrant Israelites. He starts killing all of the boys, enslaving the rest. And this is really evil. Yeah, Egypt's like this bigger, badder Babylon. They take care of themselves at the expense of others by redefining evil as good. And so God turns Pharaoh's evil back on him. His pride drives him forward, and he's swallowed up by death. 
Now after this great deliverance, the Israelites sing a song about how God is their warrior who liberated them from evil. And the Israelites referred to this moment as the day. The day they were rescued from a corrupt human system. And every year since then, the Israelites have celebrated the day of their liberation with this symbolic meal of a sacrificial lamb that's called Passover. Eventually, Israel comes into its own land, have their own kings, and they face new enemies. So that past day of the Lord, celebrated every Passover, begins to generate hope that God will bring the day again to save Israel from new threats. Now, out in the hills was a sheep herder named Amos. He was appointed by God as a prophet to announce shocking news to Israel, that God was bringing another day of the Lord against his enemies, and this time the target is Israel. What? Sadly, Israel's leaders had also redefined good and evil for themselves, resulting in corruption and violence. So God's people have become like Babylon. The oppressed become oppressors. Babylon seems like a trap no one can escape. And so the day of the Lord comes upon Israel. They're conquered, taken captive into exile. And from then on, Israel suffered under the rule of continuous oppressive empires. This is the story Jesus was born into. Yeah, in his day, the oppressive empire over Israel is Rome. So is Jesus going to confront Rome, take him out? Well, no. Jesus saw the real enemy as that mysterious, unhuman evil. The evil that's lured Babylon, Egypt, Rome, Israel. All humanity has given in to evil's promise of power. This is what Jesus resisted alone in the wilderness when he was tempted to exploit his power for self-interest. But he didn't. And after that, he started to confront the effects of evil on others. Yeah, he started saying that he was going to Jerusalem for Passover for a final showdown to confront the evil of Israel and Rome by dying. Dying? I mean, that feels like losing. Jesus was going to let evil exhaust all of its power on him, using its only real weapon, death. Jesus knew that God's love and life were even more powerful, that he could overcome evil by becoming the Passover lamb, giving his life in an act of love. And something changed that day. When Jesus defeated evil, he opened up a new way for anyone to escape from Babylon and discover this new kind of power, this new way of being human. Okay, so something changed. But the power of evil is still alive and well, and we keep building new versions of Babylon. Right, and so the last book of the Bible, the Revelation, points to the future and final day of the Lord. It's when God's kingdom comes to confront Babylon the Great, this image of all the corrupt nations of the world. Yeah, this is it, Armageddon, final judgment. How is Jesus gonna finish off evil? Well, that's not how you'd expect. In the Revelation, the victorious Jesus is symbolized by a sacrificial bloody lamb. And then when Jesus does arrive in the end, riding his white horse to confront evil, he's bloody before the battle even starts. Pre-bloodied? That's a strange image. Yeah, it's because Jesus isn't out for our blood. Rather, he overcame with his blood when he died for his enemies. And the sword is in his mouth. It's a symbol of Jesus' authority to define good and evil and hold us accountable when he brings final justice once and for all. And so, in the meantime, the day of the Lord is an invitation to resist the culture of Babylon. And it's a promise that God will one day free our world from corruption and bring about the new things that he has in store. Wow, I, I like that video a lot. I think it really brings it full circle. And I think 
one of the big things in Revelation that we were talking about earlier is the doom and gloom, the destruction. You know, it keeps saying a third of this, a third of that is destroyed. All the grass is gone. Sorry, Scott's turf. Um, <laughs> but, um, but sometimes we can get so focused on the destruction and it sounds like, oh no, God, like Jesus is coming for all the sinners. He's just going to destroy all the sinners. But um, what that video really helps us understand is that Jesus is coming for sin. Jesus is coming to destroy that sin once and for all because sin is what ruined and it has hurt that which he created and that which he loved. Um, and so at the same time, this whole book is giving us that hope and the assurance that we have in our relationship with Jesus. And so this should spur us on towards sharing that with others. Again, re- revelation should not create the silo mentality within us. If if that's what we come away with, then we've missed the point. That the point of all yeah. this is Jesus is good, Jesus is victorious, and that our desire should be to share that victory with as many people as we can. Yeah. As I was listening to you talk about that, I just kept thinking, and maybe it's because I'm a girl, but I just kept thinking how the Bible is really like the ultimate fairy tale. You know, like... Jesus is going to come back and he because he mm-hmm. loves us and he's going to, you know, go after the bad guy, take him out and we're going to live happily ever after. Yeah. Right. And we're really going to live a true yeah. happily ever after, mm-hmm. which is really exciting to think about. And it it's really helpful because, you know, we we do live in a really rough world and life gets really hard sometimes. Um Right now with winter refusing to leave, it's just easy to kind of get depressed and Mm -hmm. just to feel down. But, you know, we really do have a hope. Mm -hmm. Um, Really, no matter what life brings at us, we know that the victory is won. Absolutely. And, And like the video said that in the meantime, while we wait for this day of the Lord, what is our call to action? Our call to action is to stand against that babble, to stand against mm-hmm. the idea that that we can stand in the place of God and decide what is right and wrong for ourselves. That God has already laid that out. Um, that we are to love God and love others. That we are to obey what He has told us. And so, I think that that's a great application. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You you start reading this in. In chapter 8, it just sounds like a lot of destruction. But the cool thing about Revelation is you can see past just the event and you can see the heart of God. Yeah. That when you look at the bigger story, it makes sense. When you zoom in on the one action, you're like, what is going on? I'm so confused. This makes no sense. But look at God. Yeah. Look at what it is saying about who Jesus is and his desire for us. Yeah. I think it's why that it was great to have that day of the lord video in here as well mm-hmm. because it takes us back to the beginning and it gives yeah. us the context all the way through and it gives us that joy yeah. in reading this knowing that the final day of the lord the big victory mm-hmm. is still to come yeah that's yeah, it's pretty promising mm-hmm. yeah absolutely all right you guys want to go ahead and wrap it up then we're a little shorter than normal today but i think that is okay yeah absolutely okay um i'll pray okay sounds great good. all right Heavenly Father, we just thank you for your word. Um, I thank you for time here with my brother and sister and exploring it and for us having the opportunity to um, do this in a form that we're able to put out there for other people to listen to and hopefully help them understand it as well. Um, I want to thank you for your heart for us. I want to thank you for for sharing your word with us and letting us know what is yet to come um, and for the hope that we can glean from that. 
I ask that uh, we would go out from here today and those who are listening would as well and not be afraid based upon what your word is saying in these specific chapters, but to really go out into the world fearless because of you and who you are and the promises that you have given to us as your children and the believers of who you are, that we would go out into the world and help to spread the word of who you are and share your light with the world to bring as many of our brothers and sisters to you um, before this day comes, before this great day of the Lord, this final victory comes. So God, we just trust in you that you will give us the tools that we need and we just love you and lift you up in all that we do. And in your holy name we pray. Amen. Amen. Brent, I don't know if you just understood what happened here at that. In a in a church, a worship pastor, a children's pastor, and a youth pastor just put out a teaching resource on Revelation. So <laughs> if any of you listeners have an issue with that, talk to Pastor Phil. He's accountable for us. Um, but I just realized when else I think we set a world record. We, we, might have we are today. the first. Yep. So good job, guys. Woo-hoo. Proud of all of you. Hey, thanks for listening to it. <laughs> <laughs> all right, guys. Well, that's, I think that's a perfect place to wrap it up. Um, thank you so much for joining us again this week on the Weekly Impact Podcast, episode 22. Woo-hoo. Still can't believe we've been doing this for that long already. Um, if you stuck with us through this whole thing, we thank you so much for your loyalty as we've been fumbling and trying to find our way through this, this path that we're on with mm-hmm. this podcast. Um, Um, Just know that our hearts are always in the right place to try to bring the word of God to you and to help you understand it if there's any way possible. Um, So thank you so much again for joining us, and we will talk to you next week. Mm